Welcome everyone to the first Scholastic Shooting Sports Foundation Range Time Podcast. I am your host, Tom Davis, and uh, we are here to talk about all the youth shooting sports news as it pertains to the Scholastic Clay Target Program and the Scholastic Action Shooting Program. So first episode, of course, thank you for joining in. I know it's a brand new episode and we certainly appreciate all the listeners. Um, let's continue to grow that base. I want you to share this to everyone uh, who's involved in uh, shooting sports and particularly youth shooting sports. And let's, uh, let's grow this podcast. Let's grow this community. Um, let's, let's just jump right into the news because we got quite a uh, beefy episode. I, I mentioned in the pilot episode last month that we were going to incorporate some uh some interviews and uh, we've got some good ones so let's go ahead and get the news out of the way first up on the sctp side we've got college nationals coming up this is pretty interesting exciting because uh last fall we were supposed to have it uh in fact uh the season started with a virtual uh college nationals opener right a little practice shoot uh, to get us ready for the in-person nationals, but unfortunately uh, we had to postpone that because a number of college teams uh, just could not make it. But it looks like participation uh, is ramping up this spring, so we decided we're gonna we're gonna give those college uh, teams the nationals they deserve. So we are gonna come back to the. Cardinal Shooting Center in Marengo, Ohio, March 18th through the 21st. Mark your calendar if you're not signed up already. March 18th through the 21st at the Cardinal Center. And what's really exciting beyond having a a Nationals for our college teams, in fact, is we are opening this up to high school athletes as well. They are going to compete in their own high school uh, competition themselves, but what's really great is now they've got a very um, useful opportunity to give these rising athletes uh, a chance to learn from the college level athletes and become familiar with the college shooting programs that they might be looking into uh, when they're um, determining where they want to go to college. And of course, likewise for the college coaches, they can they can meet the next class of shooters that uh, that are looking to join a shooting team. So uh, registration is going to be opening February 15th. Uh, I misspoke. Uh, No one can be registered because it's not even open yet. But March 15th is when it's going to be open for registration in the shot system. Um, For high school athletes, this is important. High school athletes will have a separate tournament registration portal, and that's going to be called 2021 High School Tournament at College of Nationals. So keep a lookout for that. Um, there's much more information about this event on the MySCTP website. Uh, that's MySCTP.com. And if you click on the news, um, there'll be a post all about College of Nationals. We've got the schedule of events, prices, uh, what's going to happen uh, throughout that event. And, you know, all of our teams really rely on having that head coach to help guide uh, and manage the youth shooting sports team. And um, and the SSSF has really taken initiative to create more coaches out there through the Scholastic Shooting Sports Foundation coach training. If you've not heard of this, go on, head over to shooting sports dash ed dot com. That's shooting sports dash ed dot com. Um, there you'll find that we have put together online coach training. This is primarily online based. Uh, it's available 
365 days a year, 24-7 on all of your favorite mobile devices. And what that does, it gives you a fundamental basis on coaching a youth shooting sports program. We've got these in both the shotgun side and the action shooting side. And what this curriculum really comprises of is a comprehensive look at how to manage a youth shooting sports team on both administrative side and of course the coaching side. So what you'll do is you'll complete an online training curriculum and then you find a range day with our SSF uh, training tour added to the calendar and you have a, a half day range day session and once you complete that you'll be certified and these courses are administered by uh, SSF approved trainers. So speaking of trainers, in Texas last month, we had what's called a train the trainer class in which six individuals in Texas are now certified trainers to help train up future coaches in the SSF shotgun coach training program. So we were so excited to have more personnel, more boots out on the ground to help promote youth shooting sports and promote a knowledgeable, professional, certified coach community to help serve these youth shooting sports teams both current ones and future ones that come up and what's really cool about these training programs from the sssf is it's the perfect opportunity to add additional trained adult volunteers to your coaching team or even provide new skills to existing coaches all while taking advantage of additional funds that's right additional funds from the sssf uh, are going to team endowment accounts at the midway usa foundation teams will receive $200 in team endowment funding for each coach who successfully completes the online and range day portions of the course and also registers for a current season uh, in a SASP or SCTP team. So it's not just for new coaches. It's for everyone. So we're really excited to keep rolling that out. That's been around for about a year, so that's going to continue to grow and grow across the nation. We're excited to see more and more range day events popping up as we add more uh, certified trainers in the program. So we're really excited how that's growing. Okay, let's shift gears over to the action shooting side with the Scholastic Action Shooting Program. Stand by. So we have a virtual match coming up. It's actually on Valentine's Day is when it's going to open up. Registrations open up now. So go ahead and head over through the shot system, register your team. Um, of course, being on Valentine's Day, we named this the 2021 Valentine's Classic. Uh, and we came up with some really horrible puns to help promote this. Like get your heart set on ring some steel in February at the Valentine's Classic or... Starting this Valentine's Day, love will be in the air along with lead. Or missing your true love of competition. And the latest horrible one that I wrote was meet your perfect virtual match. Registration closes Friday for this, okay? So you got just a couple days to go and register for the 2021 Valentine's Classic. A note, we don't want lack of ammunition to stop people from participating. So um, if you're new to SASP, um, there's, there's a rule in the rule book that states that once you start shooting 
center fire division, you can't go back to rim fire. Well, with the way um, ammo availability is and and the prices, um, we're waiving that rule. So if an athlete competes in rimfire disciplines for one of our regionals, including the Valentine's Classic, between now and your official state SASP match, this will not lock them into the shooting rim uh, into shooting rimfire for the entire season. All the match information can be found at the My SASP website. That's My SASP. Dot com. You'll head over to the news, and you'll see the Valentine's Classic blog post. Just head over there. We got all the match information there. Um, and, of course, get your team signed up. That's Friday the 12th by noon Central Standard Time. Okay, some news in the Southwest. First up, we have SASP athletes placing in the 2021 USA Shooting Arizona State 10-meter pistol championship. Uh, if you haven't heard, the SASP has added international air disciplines, uh, and the the rule book is coming out soon. You know, those are brand new disciplines that we've announced. We've added uh, a director of development, Mr. Jim Henderson, who's really going to help expand those international disciplines uh, for the entire SASP community because, you know, you can shoot action shooting and you can shoot international air. What's beautiful is the SASP is the official youth feeder program for USA shooting. So this really opens up a whole world uh, to Olympic shooting, being an Olympic athlete, potentially, for young athletes in the SASP. So back to the story. This was a guest blog wrote by uh, SASP coach Bill Perkins down in Arizona. I'll let you hop over to the SASP website to read the full story, but the gist of it is that some SASP athletes went in and trained for this uh, 10 meter air competition, you know, something very different from the, uh, the speed of action shooting. Uh, and, and it's a very precise target that they're shooting at. In fact, uh, it's approximately a one inch 10 ring located 32, uh, something like 32 feet away. So um, completely different shooting uh, uh, discipline uh, and gear, but um, wow. Incredible. Congratulations to University of Arizona Wildcats President Julia for first place finish. Second place went to Theodore from Straight Shooters. And third place went to AJ from the Venture Crew Shooting Team, Baden Pal. So we're so proud of our SASP athletes getting involved uh, in the international disciplines. And we're so excited to see that side of uh, the SASP with the international air disciplines expand. And um, hopefully we'll be seeing some Olympic athletes before too long. And for our next piece of news, we are heading back to Texas. SASP has named Madeline Maggard as a new Texas State Advisor. She is joining um, Mr. Harold Carter as a State Advisor in Texas, and they are serving over 30 SASP teams in Lone Star State. Um, Madeline is already an SETP Advisor. Uh, for Texas, but she's joined the SASP team because she it, she herself uh, is a is a pistol shooter. She loves shooting in GSSF matches. She shoots alongside her athletes in uh, in Steel Challenge, and so uh, we're really happy and excited to have her both serving the current teams in Texas and expanding uh, new teams in the state of Texas. So, so glad to have her aboard and uh, let's all welcome her to the SASP team of state advisors. 
So um, today we have our first podcast guest ever. Um, this is episode one of the SSSF Range Time podcast, um, and we have Christian Seiler, who used to be a SASP athlete. Christian, welcome to the podcast. How does it feel to be the first ever podcast guest? Definitely lucky to be uh, the first guest on the show. Really appreciate it. I'm excited to uh, kind of talk about my experiences and about my background and how it's led to where I am today. So yeah. excited to, uh, to get on it today. Christian has got uh, quite the list of accomplishments. In fact, I know, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll, I'll make you a plaque. It says first podcast guest. You can put up with your trophies. <laughs> <laughs> and you can ship it over here. That's awesome. We'll, we'll get that done. Well, I guess we should start about where you are. Let's, let's establish where you are as an athlete. Uh, as far as I know, up to date, you are two-time USPSA national champion. Is that correct? Yep. I, uh, I won 2019 USPSA Open Nationals and then 2020 USPSA Open Nationals. Not, it's not in like the junior program. It's just like overall men's division. Right, yeah. So beyond youth shooting sports uh, in terms of SASP, mm-hmm. um, there are many shooting sports that juniors do participate in, but they're... And they're recognized mm-hmm. as a junior shooter, but in terms of the overall organization, it's an individual sport. Mm-hmm. It's not a team-based sport. So you kind of stand alone as an individual athlete yeah, being the national so. championship two years in a row, or national champion two years in a row. So congratulations, man. Um, Thank you. I appreciate it. It's been a, it's been a good couple of years of shooting. Yeah, so... So for the listeners, let's uh, let's bring them up to speed. How did you get involved in the SASP mm-hmm. to begin with? Yeah, so in 2013, 2014, I think I shot my first like IDPA match, and I transitioned like solely just to USPSA. And then at my local club, there was a, a steel challenge match that was going on every month, and so I started going to that. And turns out that there's a, a junior program there. So probably in like 2014, 2015, I, I got acquainted with uh, my local. Uh, SAFP team and that was um, the Renton Steel Dragons and so they had like a, a whole team that practiced um, like once a month we had a big session where um, like a local sponsor donated a couple bricks of ammo we got steel targets out and shot and so um, I first started shooting uh, that stuff in probably 2014-2015 um, we had a really good team we had four or five guys that were really really good shooters and uh, we went to our first nationals in 2015 we shot all like the, the state matches and some of the regional matches in SASP in 2014-2015. And then uh, my last national championship was 2016 for SASP. During SASP, USPSA was definitely my main focus. I just really enjoyed shooting with junior shooters and, and the team. Um, and then since then, I've, I've won two USPSA national championships and travel all over the country and, and world if COVID would subside a little <laughs> bit, um, shooting and training and all that sorts of stuff. Yeah, you bring up a good point. Um, you know, the was it the IPSC is the international version of USPSA, correct? Yeah, yeah. Most most people in the world think of it as USPSA is the U.S. version of IPSC. Okay. Um, but you could definitely say that. But yeah, so so the IPSC World Shoot got postponed um, from 2020 to 2021. So hopefully it'll happen this year. Um, I still have my doubts about it. Maybe it's 2022, but um, I'm on that uh, that open World Shoot team with three other guys: Shannon Smith, JJ Rakaza, and Casey Asevio. So we'll be we'll be doing that year hopefully that's that's really cool opportunity um to to travel and represent your country now where where is that shoot being held 
that will be in Thailand. So it happens every three years. So it's kind of like the Olympics of our sport. It's happened every three years, and this one uh, happens to be in Thailand. That was really cool. So yeah, back to your beginnings, you started in mm-hmm. in Washington State uh, and mm-hmm. and started shooting on a youth shooting team, uh, team-based, mm-hmm. of course, is uh, what the SASP is all about. Um, what can mm-hmm. you speak to as far as um, what what being in an environment um, on a team gave you versus mm-hmm. versus being an individual competitor? Yeah, so, I mean, to, to help your team, you have to perform individually as your own competitor, right? I mean, for me to help the team, I'm going to shoot the lowest possible time. Um, but I really like the camaraderie of shooting with, like, a junior program and a junior team and being a part of that that team really helped me. Um, I, I helped a lot of guys with their actual, like, shooting skills, and um, it was pretty, pretty cool to, to see, like, the team come together and, like, train together and, um, especially because I'd been shooting so much USPSA, I'd be like the only kid on the range. We meet a bunch of like older adults, and so I think it was pretty cool to like um, like have a lot of camaraderie and grow kind of my connections and bonds with people on the team as we progressed, as we shoot, shot matches together, as we trained together. And so it was definitely encouraging seeing other kids your age or other uh, other teenagers your age um, shooting, and so it definitely pushed you a bit. Um, I helped push them a little bit, and uh, I think it made it a, a more friendly environment, a more like fun environment than just a a bunch of adults when you're kind of a young guy. Right, right. Um, do you still keep in touch with any of your uh, former teammates? So I'll uh, swipe up on someone's story and see how they're doing and uh, comment on some of their posts and stuff. I mean, I don't, like, text them all the time or anything like that, but we definitely uh, uh, definitely keep in touch to a, to a certain degree. Cool. Um, so starting out as a, as a young shooter, um, who was your first, I guess, instructional mm-hmm. um uh, supporter was it your your coach on your on your team or mm-hmm. in often cases the coach on the team is actually a parent was that the case here yeah that was the case yeah uh dan was uh was uh connor's uh, connor paxoza and dan paxoza dan was the the dad uh was also the coach of the team so he led like some of the practices and stuff like that as far as uh so he did like organizational stuff for for that type of stuff leading the practices as far as my actual teaching like learning skills and stuff um it didn't really come from the team it came from like my own like personal coaches and like parentheses like the guys that i trained with outside of sasp um that's zach campbell and andrew hong two local guys like local uspsa gms that i trained with and so i learned a lot of skills from them i'm also like probably 80% 80% self-taught, and so um, I did some, like, uh, formal classes. I think formal classes are really good to take because you can get a lot of information really quickly and you can build a really good training foundation for the, the future, but I did most, most of it was self-taught, learned a lot, um, a lot, a lot the hard way, um, some, some the easy way with some of my, my, my good coaches and stuff like that, uh, but not really from SASP coaches directly, um, more from uh, – uh, from like my USPSA coaches, but mm-hmm. we had some good coaches, good good leadership on the team to make everything happen, and um, we had a, a good team. It was good. Uh, did you play other sports growing up? Yeah, I played. Uh, I played baseball all throughout childhood through high school. Played freshman year uh, of like club ball here at UW. Um, so yeah, I was I was definitely um, a really good athlete in baseball as well. So um, definitely not definitely not uh, like bad at ball. Mm sports or anything like that i love that i was really good at baseball played select and uh, all throughout college or all throughout uh, high school and, and played throughout the summer and stuff so i definitely had to uh prioritize back and forth every once in a while but luckily ssp didn't uh, conflict too much but 
Um, I found a lot of success in other sports, which I think has helped me a lot in SASP, but there's definitely a lot of other people that traditionally didn't play a lot of those, like um, baseball, football, stuff like that, that really thrived in SASP. So I guess I break that mold a little bit. Yeah, I I myself shoot USPSA, and uh, as soon as your name started coming around, I go, oh, this is what happens when an actual athlete comes to play our you know our sport. This is what what happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it definitely definitely helped quite a bit. Definitely helped quite a bit. I will say that. So what um what kind of opportunities came from your young shooting career? Um, I know that you have sponsors with with a fellow sponsor of SASP, Dylan Precision. Um, what kind of opportunities are, have been arising now that you've kind mm-hmm. of really excelled in your shooting career? Yeah, so I've had a lot of cool opportunities with sponsors um, with like helping me with my like USPSA um, expenses and equipment and stuff like that. So there's definitely some good like sponsorship opportunities. Um, Dylan Precision has been a great sponsor helping with my reloading equipment. Had some really cool experiences with Dylan going up in their Dylan helicopter, visiting the factory, things like that. Um, so it's really been cool to have uh, like industry s- support and sponsors. Um, I don't know exactly how SSP is translated over to that, um, but I will say that if any of the like, like younger, younger people are, are listening to this, um, there really is not much of a professional future in USPSA, so I definitely would um, emphasize people to go to school, graduate high school with good grades, go to college, get a good degree and get a job because um, that's the future for 99.99999% of people. Um, you know, even myself who was, you know, top, top in the sport in, in SASP, top of the sport in USPSA 2019, 2020, um, going to school and having a degree to fall back on is a hundred percent what you want uh, or fall forward on it and, and go with that and, and pursue something. So um, uh, sponsors are great, but there's not going to be, you know, a hundred, uh, you know, fully sponsored shooters that do that for a living. It's going to be uh, a handful of guys. So definitely would emphasize people to, uh, you know, work on, work on school and, and prioritize school. That's something I want to talk about is I actually mm-hmm. stole Christian in between classes, mm-hmm. uh, to talk on the podcast. <laughs> you are a full-time student at the university of Washington. Um, and it really mm-hmm. seems at least from the outside looking in really seems like mm-hmm. you're incredibly focused on school first. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, when you think about it, there's probably three or four guys that really make a good living off of shooting sports. And um, I, I definitely could see myself taking you know, a sponsored position at some, some large company in the future. I definitely could see myself doing that. Um, I 100% could see myself doing that. But that being said, the industry is very volatile. Um, you could be sponsored and have a six-figure salary one day, and then the next day you have no job. And if you have no job in the shooting sports and you have no degree, uh, uh, you know, that's not going to be very good. I mean, you might, might be flipping burgers or something like that, which I'm not too keen on doing. There's nothing wrong with that. I just, I don't, I'm not looking to do that long term. And so having a degree to fall back on, have a real degree, um, have a real industry job, like that's what you're looking for. And so, I mean, if you're really passionate about the firearms industry, get a degree that would be, you know, be good in the firearms industry. If you want to do sales, if you want to do, um, uh, some sort of engineering stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, school is very, uh, very much a focus for me. I know that school is going to help me with my future, not only getting my finance degree here, but also uh, building connections. And so school is kind of a broad sense term of, uh, building connections and internships here and also the, the schoolwork itself. But, um, school's gotta be first. School's gotta be first. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you said you're working towards a finance degree at the university of Washington. Yep, I'm going to get a finance degree here uh, at the University of Washington in the Foster School of Business, and then um, 
uh, figure out what I'm doing after that. So, so you could be, uh, but I have a good you, internship. Mm-hmm. You could be running good. a firearms, uh, finance department and be their sponsor yeah. too. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, um, there is something to say to be able to, um, you know, work in a job and not be sponsored by people and shoot whatever you want, go to whatever matches you want and have that sort of freedom or not sort of freedom, have unlimited freedom. And so, um, I think, People working towards building that is a better avenue for ninety nine point nine nine percent of people. Well, that's a great message for our, for upcoming athletes for sure. Um, so my question mm-hmm. is, Christian, you're mm-hmm. you're at college. When are you going to start mm-hmm. a University of Washington SASP team? <laughs> that's a that's that's a great question. Um, I actually don't know directly if I I don't know if I'd be able to start it myself. I definitely haven't like tried incredibly hard. Um, I talked to the uh, the campus uh, campus conservatives. I forget what their their title is, but it's like the conservative group on campus, and they tried starting one um, probably one or two years ago, and it was completely shut down. Uh, however much they tried, they didn't even ask for funding. They just wanted to be recognized by the university, and uh, they got completely shut down. So I don't know how uh, if SASP could pull any strings, but the culture up here uh, in Seattle is quite different than probably what you're used to in Florida or uh, what a lot of athletes are used to in kind of more conservative states. Well, you know, you mentioned Florida. Um, I don't think any of the listeners know this, but I myself started the university of Florida, um, SASP team. And, you know, it's, it's definitely a blue little County in a sea of red. So, um, right. My suggestion is just to, Make one and fly under the radar, because as you said, you're not going to get any funding from the university. No. So. Yeah. No. So it could be just a, a team. Uh, it is, what it is composed of University of Washington or wherever you are in the country, university athletes. So that's another way of doing it. Mm-hmm. More of like a club team. Um. So what are your your future mm-hmm. plans? You're gonna finish out college. How many years you got left? Yeah, so um, I have uh, – I'm a junior here, so I have I finished this year and have uh, my senior year. So I just have like one and a half – or one – I'm quarter system, so one and two-thirds left. And then um, I'm going to pursue um, uh, my, my finance career. I don't know exactly what I'm going to do, maybe like wealth management um, or, or something along that, those lines. And then continue to shoot, continue to train, continue to win, and – and uh, that's, that's kind of my plan for the future. Continue to win. I like that answer. Yeah. I mean, continue to, to try my best to win. I mean, who, who knows what's going to happen in the future, but I'm going to try my best to, to keep winning, keep training. And uh, the keep training part is very key into, to keep winning, but yeah. Yeah. Keep training part. So, you know, right now, um, it's incredibly hard to kind of source ammo. Mm-hmm. And if you're reloading ammo, you know, get components, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Right. Sounds like you might have a little sponsor hookups, but what kind of are you shooting mm-hmm. factory ammo? Or are you reloading it yourself? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so I reload all my ammunition myself. Besides twenty two, since I don't think they, uh, no one makes reloaders for that. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, there's like crazy prices of twenty two. Just looking like fifty six cents uh, around for twenty two, which is insane. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I remember the days when it was like three cents for a huge, you know, per per bullet and the bricks and stuff. But ammo prices will will start going down more and more. I mean, if you look at what what stuff used to be on uh, on the websites for it's, it's much lower now you can consistently buy like you know two two three ammo for like 70 cents or nine mil for 50 cents so 
those prices are con- are continually going down and down. So I think I think we'll we'll start getting more stuff in stock maybe in like a year's time. Um, so I mean, I definitely would encourage a lot of dry fire that helps a ton with weapon manipulations. Um, also, to, just everything really transitions. You can train basically everything besides um, you know having the recoil impulse, seeing the sights lift. Um, you can even work on grip and dry fire practice too, building cons- consistent grip. So. A lot of dry fire work can be done, um, but yeah, I load all my own ammunition. I have Dylan Presses. I started on a 650, worked up to a 1050, now I have the 1100, um, and I just crank out all my own ammo. So components are a little bit hard to find. Um, I would definitely keep trying all the local gun shops and stuff like that since they're uh, continually getting stuff in. And you're switching to, sorry, I've been stalking your Instagram to, no, to prepare totally for good. this podcast. You're switching <laughs> to iron sights maybe a little bit? Or back so I'm shooting L10 Nationals. I think it'd be kind of cool to uh, to kind of used by iron sight talents a little bit too. And there's a nationals happening in, uh, in April, um, or in May, in May this year, it's called L10 or low cap national. So it's production L10 revolver. And I'm a big major power factor, 2011 guy. So I'm gonna shoot L10 nationals, um, and our L10 division at the nationals. And so it'd be fun to kind of, to kind of show some of my, my iron sight skills. Everyone thinks of me as like a dot shooter. And there's a lot of shooters out there that are just strictly dot shooters. And when they go shoot iron sights, they, and I don't do very well with it, so they're a dot shooter, right? Um, but I started as an iron sight shooter. I was a way better iron sight shooter before I was even decently good at shooting open division or a dot gun. So that'd be cool to display those skills a little bit and um, also get accustomed to the range that I'll be shooting open nationals in uh, later in the year. So it'll be good, it'll be good times. So I'm shooting 40 cal for that. Uh, doing a little scouting for, for the future, I see. A little scouting. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have last thing? Do you have any tips for shooting steel? Do, do you shoot steel challenge or you know that would be the mm-hmm. equivalent to SASP as an individual competitor, yeah. which you are now? Mm-hmm. Do you have any tips uh-huh. uh, for shooting steel for our young athletes and teams? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think uh, the first thing is like formal training is really good. So if you guys have a like a really good local steel challenge shooter having someone come out and be able to work with you guys i think is like really really valuable um i think there's also some cool videos online of like maybe max michelle talking about kind of all the different components of steel challenge that's a pretty good video to encapsulate everything i think one of the biggest tips that i would um start to uh or a really instant tip you could start trying to train is is calling your shots and that is um when i pull the trigger am i able to um, know where that shot landed, not by, um, you know, seeing the target, but the, the visual impulse, what do I see? And so where are my sights the last time when I pulled the trigger, when, when that shot left the barrel, where are my sights last? And so it's kind of like a, so for the young guys out there, it's kind of like a, a screenshot. You're taking a screenshot of where the dot was on the target or the iron sights were on the target when that, that trigger was pulled. Um, and more importantly, when the bullet left the barrel, because, um, not always, you know, when you, when you pull the trigger, the sights aren't always exactly where you think they are when the bullet leaves the barrel. And so, um, calling your shots, uh, allows you to shoot at your sights pace, not at what the targets are telling you. And so you don't have to listen to the ping. The ping can be a secondary, um, uh, confirmation that you hit the target, but you're really only going to hear that when you're in the transition, if you're really shooting fast. And so to be able to shoot fast SSP, you have to call your shots. You have to shoot and not wait for the, the for the ping. You have to be able to call your shot. You have to be able to say, yep, I pull the trigger. I see my sights lift. And while I'm transitioning next target, you're kind of still processing. Yep. My sights were in the center of the target and the bullet left the barrel. My sights were there. I'm good to go. So a cool little drill for this is, um, don't use steel for this, but take a, uh, uh, a uh, paper target out there, shoot two shots, don't look at the target, turn to your buddy and say, okay, my sights were high left when I cracked the first shot, my sights were 
center when I crack the second shot. So I think I have one top left, one in the middle. So calling shots is really, really big. So calling uh, calling shots and practicing calling shots will help a ton. So um, as, as, as soon as you start consciously thinking about where are my sights when I pulled the trigger, um, that's when you start to make a, a lot of gains. So um, calling shots is huge for Steel Challenge, huge for USPSA, but especially for Steel Challenge. I think that's a great tip that you you said that would resonate with our uh, young shooters is taking a screenshot of your a mental mm-hmm. screenshot of your sights. Mental screenshot. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So as you know, in the SASP, we start from low ready in all uh, disciplines. Mm-hmm. My question is for you: What did you find um, most success with when you're when that RO is saying stand by? Are you clenched up mm-hmm. with a tight grip, or are you waiting for the beep uh, as a low ready? Are you waiting for the beep mm-hmm. to um, start your grip? How's how's that mm-hmm. grip pressure play into? Yeah, so like yeah, totally. So I, I don't want to like uh, I want to be hundred percent set. So when he when the, that beep goes off, I'm not doing anything besides snapping the gun the gun to the first target. And so um, I, I get my good grip. I aim at the first target. So I get a good grip, aim at the first target, and then come straight back down. So um, and then so so I get my grip. I aim at the the, the first target. I'm gonna shoot. I come straight back down, and my eyes stay on the target. So. I get my good grip, aim on the target, I stay on the target, gun goes down. So I'm looking at the target, he says, stand by, beep, and as soon as the beep goes off, my gun meets what I'm looking at. So it's a pretty cool uh, thing. And whatever you're looking at, your gun's going to follow. Um, so I, I have, especially with Steel Challenge, an immense target focus, um, and uh, I definitely would start looking at the first target, snap the gun over to exactly what I'm looking at. So um, when that beep goes off, the only thing you should be doing is transitioning the gun and, and having your gun meet what your eyes are looking at. Right on. So it sounds like um, once you got that set up and following your your uh, real discipline about your um, sight snap snapshot that we were talking about, mm-hmm. it's all about mm-hmm. knowing uh, where your where your gun was was pointed at when you pulled the trigger, and just mm-hmm. transitioning shot to shot and uh, hitting that stoplight. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, when you really think about it, it's it's uh, it's it's a pretty simple sequence, um, but very hard to execute. I mean, there's a lot of individual things like grip and, and things like that. When you think about it, you get your perfect grip, you aim at the first target, gun goes down, you hear your beep, app up, your eyes meet what you're looking at, you pull the trigger. As soon as those sights lift, you call a good shot, your eyes go to the next target, your gun follows, your gun meets what your eyes are looking at. You crack off that shot with a nice, clean trigger pull. Sights lift. You call that good shot. Eyes go to the center of the next target. Gun meets what you're looking at, and you finish up pretty easily like that. Um, I guess the last tip for um, – not the last tip, just the last of the sequence would um, – I always keep my gun up. Everyone really, really wants to, like, snap the gun down, but the time stops when your last shot goes off, not when you get to the gun down. So when you shoot that last plate, I always keep the gun up. Ping, 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 ping. And I keep the gun up. Make sure I call that good shot, and then I, you know, reload. So, um, just something I see a lot with a lot of like you shooters is try to snap the gun down, but got to make sure you get that last hit in there. And let's let's um, let's clarify once and for all: your fastest times are generally mm-hmm. just going one for one or five for five, right? Hundred yeah. percent. You cannot miss fast. You cannot miss fast enough to uh, to do it. People are like, "Oh, this person, this person can miss fast enough to make it faster." That's not true. The fastest runs are going to be one for one, one hundred percent. Yeah, you mentioned Shannon Smith earlier um, as a world-renowned open shooter mm-hmm. uh, who's going to be on your mm-hmm. your men's open national mm-hmm. team with you. And um, mm-hmm. 
I, I remember him talking about Steel Challenge and he said, yeah, I'm, I can't throw down crazy runs like some of these really um, standout shooters, but I hold on, uh, I hold my own just by going one for one on plates. Yeah, I mean, you got it. I mean, a lot of people go pretty crazy fast. So when you go crazy fast, uh, you know, a couple times you start missing. But what I find a lot of the times is um, when you start missing, you start missing even more if you don't have a lot of discipline. When I start to miss, I'm like, all right, buckle down. You already, you already dropped yourself in the hole. Let's just go one for one on the rest of these. Um, but when, as far as that goes, I mean, you, you should definitely have a practice pace, uh, a pra- like an exploration pace of seeing what you're capable of, and then an execution pace of what can I actually do in this match. Um, that's all based off of how much you're going to see, um, kind of what visual patience you're looking at, what type of focus you're looking at. Um, but uh, I definitely will not be doing any exploration of my speed in any matches anytime soon. Definitely lots of execution. Yeah, plus you got your team uh, relying on you to throw down good good team uh, times. So. Exactly. Yeah, you're not exactly. you're not just laying yourself down. You're laying the team down. So go one for one. Yeah, go one for one. All right, Christian, uh, we'll let you uh, hit the books. And uh, thank you so much for for uh, taking the time to talk with all of our athletes. And uh, we can't wait to see what else you accomplish uh, in 2021 and beyond. Perfect. I appreciate it. Take care, everyone. And uh, as remember, keep training hard. Keep uh, keep on the, the good the good path. Keep going to school. Keep training hard. Um, and, uh, and good things will come. So best of luck to everyone. And uh, hope to see you guys on the range. Okay, we're going to do a quick sponsor roundup. Uh, A lot more deals are coming, but they're not quite official, so I can't quite announce them yet. But I think next episode is going to be huge because a lot of them are very, very close to being finalized. So this one is going to be all about Shields. Shields has signed a multi-year sponsorship of the SCTP. Uh, Shields is a outdoor retailer. They have 28 stores uh, throughout the U.S. and 13 states. Uh, it's more of a Western thing, but um, we are so excited to be working with them because uh, we can focus in on local SCTP teams that are uh, that have Shields stores in their community. So we can cross-brand, promote Shields, and also promote participation in youth shooting sports so so glad to have them on for another three-year sponsorship thank you so much for supporting youth shooting sports all right everybody i hope everyone enjoyed the first episode first official episode of the sssf range time podcast we're going to keep these coming uh once a month to recap all the latest news that have happened and uh of course have exclusive interviews uh, much like the one we had with christian seiler that was a good episode so so happy to uh happy and excited to bring on more guests we'll have more athletes donors sponsors so i'm really excited to sit down and talk with more people about youth shooting sports um once again thank you for listening uh something that would really help the podcast is wherever you're listening to this there's probably going to be some sort of review section of course for apple Podcasts, you have a review and you can write a review so go ahead and uh give us give some sort of star rating i think you should do five stars but i'll let you pick the stars uh let me know how we can improve drop comments in there um you know writing a review it only takes a couple minutes and it really helps boost the um visibility on uh, the different podcast platforms so if you enjoyed what you listened to go ahead and subscribe write a review give us a rating and we will see you next month on sssf range time podcast